The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. They're incredible. I mean, it's just it's not usually in awe of teams that much, but I just can't help being in awe of Barcelona Femini. Like, they're just incredible. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances which just lack that intensity. Boom. Right, Shane. Yes, we'll start. A lonely nation turns its eyes to you. It does. A nation turns its lonely eyes to you? A uh, bit of both, potentially. Um, but I'm glad that people are turning their lonely eyes to us because there's plenty to talk about this morning, Ger. Uh, we should start with some um, batshit crazy comments from Arsene Wenger across the weekend. So uh, for people who are unaware now, Arsene Wenger, the former Arsenal manager, is taking the, the FIFA coin. Uh, he's working with FIFA on their uh, technical committee. He's also their head of global football development. Uh, speaking of the media briefing yesterday is where these comments came to light. So uh, there, of course, have been uh, protests from, from a number of countries, and pr- perhaps most notably Germany and Denmark at this World Cup. The hands over the mouths from the German team, the Danish team, uh, kind of setting the way and uh, standing out from other teams and in, in actually doing so- some minor things at this World Cup. Um, the point of information, did he mention Australia? Uh, I don't know if he quoted any particular teams. Right, well, he said generally speaking. Yeah, but it, yeah, well, well, this, you do the quotes there. This is the point. Sorry. So the quotes from Wenger were, the teams who performed well at the World Cup were mentally ready. They had focused on the competition and not on political demonstrations. Now, these were the comments that kind of have rubbed people up the wrong way because what he's saying is, focus on the football and you'll be grand, lads. And uh, concentrate on anything else, human rights, um, standing up for LGBT, uh, women's rights, that is just a distraction, and it's going to affect you on the pitch. Um, so, fairly mental comments. Like there were other uh, comments he was talking about um, uh, the the World Cup as, as as a whole, and little things that have been noticed by the FIFA technical committee. They noticed that attacking teams were forced to find space on the flanks in this World Cup, which is something new. Opponents uh, now better protect the centre of the pitch. And another thing that the uh, the role of goalkeepers offering to receive the ball at their feet has. Um, dramatically increased 70% since the 2018 World Cup. So those were the footballing things he noticed, but I guess it was the comments on not being distracted by everything else that uh, has stood out, stood out mostly from Arsene Wenger. Like you yesterday. know, fair play to Arsene Wenger, when, when you buy him, he stays bought. <coughs> and uh, it's clear that he's working for FIFA and he's towing the FIFA party line, and um, that's not really what the world needs at the moment, is it? No. I, like... <laughs> It's just wrong, the wrong timing as well. The World Cup is still ongoing. He's basically, essentially, warning countries who are between now and the end of the World Cup planning anything. Uh, because, of course, the knockout rounds is when the eyeballs increase, perhaps, on the World Cup. And uh, now would be the time to do something. Even in the World Cup, I'd love to see a team get to the World Cup final and, and have a protest of of actual essence. It's not too late. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen. No. You can't really see any of the remaining teams suddenly deciding to uh, locate their moral compass, which has been buried deep uh, in their millions. But I would point out that Australia were one of the most vociferous and first yeah. out the gate. And they've, like, so their manager's disappointed that they didn't do more against Argentina. But they performed bloody well. Like, they got their whole country behind them. They have created memories that will last a lifetime. Uh, they have, you know, injected the game at a local level with a massive surge of interest and, like, nearly created at least a draw slash shock against Argentina. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. And they're, as you say, one of the teams that stood up and, and said something of note. Like the, the the reason for the timing of these comments from Wenger is because they were it was FIFA's analysis of the group stages. So the group stages being over, their uh, head of um, Glo- chief of global football development stands up and and points out all the things that he said about the World Cup group stages to that point. The point is, he didn't have to say this. Like he could have said all his little comments about the, the ball being played out wide more often, the goalkeepers being better with their feet. Um, that's all fine and well, but to, to just little throw in a, a comment like that was was very pointed. I'm not saying it came from upper brass, uh, but there's a weird feeling about little things of this World Cup. The fact that Gianni Infantino pops up on screen at least once every game—it's uh, a lot, isn't it? It's bizarre, and and that that strikes now, he, me as something that's, well, that's on purpose. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he is very famous now. Like, uh, I'm interested to see him in the crowd sometimes he's not paying any attention sometimes yeah. he looks very bored sometimes there's nobody sitting beside him I think he's been I think they've probably been told throw him up on screen there once again keep, well, his, keep his face famous how is what he wants I, I, I don't think he needs it though I mean I understand the point you're making right Yeah. but like somebody somewhere thinks it's a good idea to put the boss on telly FIFA, you know? yeah, they've, like, they've, he's discussed it with them surely I mean it, it seems like the type of thing that they would have discussed Well, uh, you don't put your boss on TV without asking him you, d- you do you do yeah. you do it you do it for an attaboy like I, I think the politics of that are, are weird the whole kind of um, at the same time right he's, he's pointedly not the boss like Qatar are the boss yeah you know on this occasion well for, for the duration of this whole thing he is a guest there he's, he's using Qatar to make loads and loads of money for FIFA and I presume he's getting very well ahead himself, and um, and so uh, it's definitely an, an interesting dynamic. That like, what, why is he on screen so often? And yet at the same time, I'm always interested to see what the response is like. The the sound seems to be on a massive delay from the yeah the crowd as well. So you can hear like you can hear the crowd go mad forty five seconds, well, not forty five, but twelve to fifteen seconds after whatever it is has been on the big screen in the stadium. Um, Maybe some days he's he's not feeling like he has he doesn't feel like he he looks well. Maybe he's felt cute. the wrong side of bed. Might delete later. He might he might have woke up and, and gone today. I feel like not being on screen because he likes to analyze how he feels on a, on a given day. And that's why I think that it's more likely that um, they've decided they're going to be putting him on screen. You better watch yourself here potentially. Because like let's face it, right? He wanted the Budweiser money, right? There's no way the FIFA did not want the Budweiser money. There's no way that they were like happy to just go. Yeah, I'm going to go back to, um, yeah, I'm going to go to one of our best customers, friends and partners, sponsors. Yeah. Money is money. Purveyors of money. Mm-hmm. And tell them, sorry, we, we can't take your money. <laughs> can't take your money. Literally days before the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, um, but it is interesting that he's always on screen. It is bizarre. Um, now, Bladder would have been on screen a fair bit. I just don't remember if it was as, as egregious as this. So it's so pointed. It's like he pops up on screen, and for some games he's getting booed by the crowd. Well, that's why I don't think it's. I, I, I don't think they're asking him. Yeah, but the booing has stopped. I can't hear it anymore. Well, maybe, maybe it's the feed that we're being filtered. But maybe. it just see if it see it all seems a little bit weird. Um, in tandem with Wenger's strange comments, no need to say what he said. Yeah, but obviously he felt like there was a need to say it. You know. Yeah, but that's why so he wanted to say it. Uh, so while while he's he's doing his master's work, he also wanted to do his master's work. He felt like this is the type of thing that's important for him to say, which, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. Wenger was amazing for that short window and then mediocre for a long time. And now, you know, what have you done for me lately, Arsene? Never once mentioned in dispatches about the French job. Never once. Not like on a long list of candidates. 
obviously the French know something. They're like, no. Are you saying, are you, this is like David Beckham wasn't world class, are you saying Wenger wasn't a world class manager at one point? No, he was very, 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 very good. At he the wasn't a world class manager. When he, uh, I mean, he was clearly a world class manager, right? Yeah, when he, when he um, had the market intelligence that nobody else had of the French market and were able to buy good French players, like, yeah. you know, good, good scouting from abroad. Who knew that that would be something worth bringing to the Premier League? Mm-hmm. But, um, this but is that wore off and look now in fairness the team did still always qualify for the Champions League which you know at the time there was no none of the gulf money slushing through so maybe it was easier yeah um, it, what annoys me about this uh, at the weekend listening to, to, to Finger was that even United fans have a massive soft spot I, I don't want to speak for all of them but a big soft spot for Arsene Wenger because of that rivalry at the end you know uh, at the end when you got the best that you got the best of us he stayed beaten yeah, yeah, but I mean... Kept closing up to Ferguson at the end. Yeah, well, the same way United fans would have like had a... house-trained dog. <laughs> well, United haven't had a good record against Liverpool in recent years, but they probably have a soft spot for Klopp because of the type of person he is. I'm not speaking for all United fans. Some United fans are probably screaming at me right now, going, nah, I don't like Klopp, which is fair enough, but uh, he's just a likeable guy, as was Wenger. But that's what surprised me by the comments on, on Sunday. So, felt pointed, felt... I'm not going to say a directive, but... A little bit uneasy, just like the the Infantino popping up on screen all the time. It just feels like a FIFA um, North Korea created um, propaganda imagery. That's what that's what the whole weekend felt like to me. When, you, when you're seeing Infantino pop up on screen, you're seeing Wenger's comments. It's like, do you really need to say that? He's also wrong. Like that's the other thing. He is wrong. Uh, the Socceroos were the first ones out the gate, created a video, and they've definitely performed at least as well, if not better, than we thought they were going to do. They've created their own bit of history. Mm-hmm. Like. The German team has a bad manager at the moment. Yeah. And like he clearly had not managed his squad properly. He's playing players who haven't played enough football. He's playing players who've played too much football. It's nothing to do with the fact that they decided to make a stand. Uh, they just weren't very good at football at the moment, which yeah. is, I'm sure the data would have shown up if uh, Arsenal had looked or had decided not to interpret it the way he did. So, all right. Yeah. In the red, Wenger. Had to be in the red, Arsenal Wenger, this weekend. Also in the red <coughs> is boxing generally, I guess. Jericho's boxing has a problem. Boxing has a number of problems, but... Uh, Fury against Chisora on Saturday night left me and perhaps many others wondering where the hell is boxing at? Because um, for the for the souls, the fifty six thousand odd souls, many was it in total? Fifty six thousand seven hundred eighty nine. What I would call mugs in the crowd at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday night because they're there to watch a fight that, if you look at the bookies' odds beforehand, wasn't a fight. Tyson Fury's in his prime, perhaps at thirty four, which is kind of scary. Derek Chisora is thirty nine in a couple of months, and. This was a fight for a payday. Let's be perfectly honest about it, because it wasn't a it wasn't a fight that uh, put two titans at a similar level of their career up against each other. Um, Derek Chisora earned two point three million euros for this fight. That's why this fight happened. Um, it was a thirteenth professional loss for him as well. His record isn't good. If you if you look at if anyone watched the fight or you saw even photographs uh, afterwards, Chisora's right eye looks horrific for most of the fight, um, and the fact that it was only stopped in the tenth round via TKO for a, for a Tyson Fury win is perhaps the most concerning thing but they of course as I said 56,000 fans there they wanted to put on a show um, and like I was even during the fight itself screenshotting some of the comments I was seeing from, from boxing fans on Twitter uh, Chisora's corner needs to stop this fight only three rounds in Fury's already trying not to hurt him stop the fight before Fury kills Chisora uh, walking body bag for Fury um, the ref must stop this Chisora v Fury fight or else I'm switching off my TV it had that feel to it from round three now, as I said, this this fight went to round ten, um, which which is terrifying because there could have been serious serious damage done to Derek Chisora. Uh, of course, he he has to fight someone, 
and Chisora was the was the dummy who had to step in because Anthony Joshua hasn't signed any contracts. Uh, that fight doesn't appear to be any closer whatsoever to happening, and I don't think it will happen at this point. Um, but like the fact, Tyson Fury retired in April, and he said, "Oh, I meant it." We know he didn't mean it at the time. He's never he's never meant it. No, he's never read it when he said it. He says he's had four months at home with his kids and his dog uh, over the over the summer, and he's been relaxing and uh, kind of focused on this fight as well. There was the lovely wholesome hashtag classy gesture video after the fight where himself and Chisora broke bread as is tradition for, for friends and that's the point Chisora and Fury are mates they get on very well um, and that was quite apparent because the uppercuts were hurting Derek Chisora quite notably um, and there were points in the fight where you felt if Fury had really wanted to hurt Chisora there he would have there was that element of holding back yeah so look in, in fairness Fury says we weren't in there to do serious damage to each other this is from Jeff Powell, who was ringside and in the mail, and uh, every like everybody in the papers is saying pretty much the same thing you're saying this morning that it was a complete mismatch and it should never really have happened. But uh, two million quid is what Shazora got. I, I do think that like uh, the boxers know this is like the big thing in in other sports is that you know you might get damaged, you might suffer uh, long term permanent damage if you get a knock. But in boxing, the the plan at the start of the fight is to concuss your opponent so badly that they can't function anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the rules. That's built in, that's stitched in. That's the aim of it. And like, when when you say boxing has a problem, it, it's kind of always had that problem. Yeah. And I'm not sure that like, so let's let's say, let's spin forward when it's Fury, Alexander Usyk, which Fury says will happen either in Saudi Arabia or in England. Either of them will be great venues. So more than likely it's going to happen in Saudi Arabia, right? Because that's where the money will come from. And uh, it'll give us, for the first time, in a long time, is it first time in a long time? One one person having everything, or did did um, did Klitschko have all the belts at some point, or uh, did he not? I can't remember. I feel I like the yeah. last time, yeah. Um, but yeah, so all the belts, everything up, biggest fights, like one of the biggest fights in history. Yeah. Um, I th- and nobody, I you know, everybody will tune in. Everybody will pay whatever it is. It's like 80, 80 bucks in America and twenty twenty quid here, and like this fight will be forgotten. I think. Yeah, but like, look, we um, and we as sports journalists, and maybe we are shattered because the World Cup is on. But one of the lads in the office asked on Friday, Thursday or Friday, do you know? I think Colm asked us actually. Do you know that Fury and Chisora are fighting this weekend? And I was like, no, I hadn't heard a thing. I hadn't seen uh, weigh-ins. I hadn't seen any fighting talk from them. I hadn't seen any social media activity because no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. It was just one of these fights that's not completely under the radar. Normally, I'd be watching these fights and, and enjoying the build-up. No one cares about this fight. Well, that, that, I think that's because everybody knows what the result is. Yeah, and it's, it's like everybody, you know, everybody knows the result uh, of this fight because he's a tomato can. This was supposed to be, as you said, the window for them to have a big fight, and they didn't because they couldn't get the organization done. And so this fight was this window was open. Everybody makes a little bit of money and they move on. That's like. But Chisora's been the tomato can all his, all his career. And, and oh, now you know what tomato can is, right? Well, there you go. But, like, I mean, 56,000 tomato cans in the crowd as well who are paying to watch this. And they're the suckers. Now, unless it's Qatari uh, stadium numbers and that, there weren't that many people in the crowd, but I think there were. I mean, it, it just... It beggars belief. People, of course, I get the element of people are big Tyson Fury fans. They want to see him while he's still fighting. He announced he's retiring in April. They're like, oh, I don't have that many more opportunities to see him live in the flesh, fighting it out. But... Why would you bother watching a fight like this? Right. Just it deserves to be in the red box in generally, but the Fury Chisora fight particularly, Jared, I think, was one uh, that left a, a bad taste in the mouth. John Clavy says, "Welcome to boxing, Shane." Chisora has been a punching bag all his career. Bohemian Twenty Nine says, "Who paid the price for that pay per view on the boxing?" Uh, was was it pay per view? 
was it? I think it was, yeah, yeah but okay. anyone would have paid that as um, well, I think it's just keeping Tyson Fury busy in a situation where they know there's no risk. And Mark C says, for 2.3 million, let him suck it up. Right, who's in the amber? Yeah, we're going with amber next. And uh, last 16 so far, Ger, um Now, this is going to sound harsh, and we're going to get to some positives in this, because uh, as we all know, the amber traffic light means we're about to go. We're about to go, Ger. We're about to get positive. So I'm not going to leave this all negative. But the last 16 has been... Um, it's gone to plan so far in terms of results. That's the only negative I would say. Um, I'd like to take this chance to firmly apologise to, to Lionel Messi. Uh, I'm sure he wa- he's watching this morning, but um, I, I kind of wrote him off uh, during the group stages, I have to say. I said this Argentina team is not built around him anymore. These lads around him, like Alvarez or Fernandez, are coming, coming good. He's not the main man. I was totally wrong, and I hold my hands up this morning. I have to apologise because he is still the main man. And look... You might say, look at Shane, he's all reactive. One performance again for Messi and he's, he's back on board. Um, like, the Messi-Ronaldo discussion has to stop for me. Like, th- there is no comparison. And look, it's, it's apples and oranges anyway. They're two different types of footballers, as we all know. So we need to stop comparing them. But if, if Messi leads Argentina to this World Cup, uh, he's without doubt the greatest player. And it's, I know we said, Jerry, that we're kind of behind the whole Spain train and this these young team this young team with Gavi and Pedri and Luis Enrique is a really likable character a lot of people would like to see Messi win the World Cup it would kind of be a a little moment for him to perhaps step back I'd retire if I was him if I won this World Cup um, but that that's kind of why I had it in amber is that Argentina beat Australia France beat Poland England beat Senegal we've got all the, the results that we expected to get yeah but it means that we're going to have really, really good quarterfinals. Well, that's the alternative. I don't, you know, if you get any bad teams making a bit of a shock result at this stage, it leads to a bad quarterfinal, which can lead to a bad semi-final. Yeah. Which can sometimes lead to a one-sided final. So, yeah, I'm okay. 100%. I'm okay. You're taking it. You're accepting yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, so that's the other side of the coin of all the big teams winning, I guess. Um, the big positive for me at the weekend was Louis van Gaal. And sorry, this entire World Cup. Here's a video I think we have of the, the Dutch team. <laughs> They're all given face masks. Uh, just look at the atmosphere. They were getting abused, Jerry, online for this um, from some quarters. Why are they celebrating winning a last 16 match, getting to a quarter final? They got their own faces. I was wondering. Uh, uh, yeah, most of them got their, their own faces. faces. Uh, but Louis Van Hal is about to pop in the screen with his, with his camera phone, like your, like your uncle at every wedding. I really wish they'd given Van Hal a face, but that would have been. <laughs> Louis Van Hal vibes. Louis. Yeah, that's immaculate vibes from uh, from Louis Van Hal there. Like everything he's doing at the at the minute, he's he's one of football's last great characters. Jerry, seventy one. He had the prostate cancer battle uh, earlier this year. He only he kept kind of kept it uh, quiet from his team during qualifying for the World Cup. Um, announced his retirement, of course, back in twenty nineteen. Then the Dutch had that horrific spell under Frank de Boer, and he was like, "Okay, I'll come back for one last World Cup and help you help you lads out." And just as well he did because the bonding in this team. Anyone who gives out, and people have given out about Van Hal for that, for those images. Why are you? Why is your team celebrating? Why are you celebrating beating the USA in the last 16 match? Well, why not? It's creating an atmosphere around the team, a bond. They're going to go into this Argentina game rightly as underdogs in the quarterfinal, but why can't they beat them on Friday and get to a World Cup semi-final? And from then, I mean, anything can happen. There was the, there was the, the, um, the pictures, the famous pictures in the press conference earlier this tournament, where a young journalist, novice journalist, asked Van Hal. Uh, for a hug um, or said something positive about him he said he, I'm your biggest fan and Van Hal loved it you could see he was visibly quite emotional at the end of the press conference hugged him and again on Twitter going mad why is this journalist asking for a, for a hug with Van Hal so unprofessional first of all leave the kid alone and second of all he can do what he wants and third of all Van Hal's happy face made it all worthwhile uh, there's been a bit of criticism in the Dutch media yeah. 
There has. Some starting from the, like, it's just one of, you know, there's another side to that. You're not really supposed to be asking for hugs press conferences. I know. Kind of creates a bit of a, the wrong environment. You're not being held to account, you know. That, you're was, not really there just to represent yourself. You're there to represent the audience. Who can't get in? I, I, yeah, it's fair. That's all. Just, there's, another, there's another viewpoint there, you know. It's just a lovely little moment. <clears throat> I don't know what what, what media uh, outlet he, that young lad was representing, but I, for, for me, I don't see the problem. Um, Listen, just, I wouldn't do it myself. Well, okay, you know, you know, I wouldn't do good. it myself. But to establish that, but I thought it was a quite a, a wholesome baseline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marco van Basten, two great goals. The rest is something to cry about. As a football lover, I ask myself, what am I looking at? I don't know if I can cope with this much longer. That's in uh, Mary Hannigan's piece in the Irish Times today. Yeah, yeah like the, the Dutch style takes a bit of getting used to, um, and I'm sure for the Netherlands themselves that they're getting criticised. A bit like we criticise Stephen Kenny constantly in the Irish media. Kenny FM even here are known for criticising the, the team every now and again. But in the Dutch media, they're being very harsh at the moment. They're into the last eight of the World Cup. All right, They're going to play Argentina. But uh, World Cup, last 16, no shocks. That's why it was an amber. But um, yeah, certainly Louis van Gaal giving me some could go, advice. Could go into the green. Could go right. Right, it, what's in the green? Yeah, we're leaning into the green now. So uh, the club action, I know we'll talk with Cal Milani later on this morning about uh, the club action generally. But Moy Cullen, for me, Jer, was the, the story of the, the weekend. Their, their first ever county championship win two years ago in Galway. Um, they didn't get the chance to play in the provincial that year. It was COVID. Um, so this was their first ever chance at winning a Connacht Senior Club Championship title against uh, Turtle Strand, the, uh, the Sligo champions. And it's been, it was a good weekend for, for uh, Mike Cullen because their minors won the county championship on Saturday as well. Um, it was an interesting matchup because Don uh, Conlon is the Mike Cullen manager and the manager for Turtle Strand was Don's former Roscommon teammate, Fergal O'Donnell. So it was a nice little mixture of two former county teammates with the Rossies. Uh, playing into a freezing freezing breeze in the first half in Pierce Stadium in Salt Hill. Hardly a surprise when it's Pierce Stadium in Salt Hill that there was a freezing breeze. Um, and look, it was a big, big day for Turtle Strand as well because the first time back in the final in, in four decades for them. So a big moment, two teams that, that kind of hadn't been there and a bit of a novel pairing in the, in the Connacht Senior Club Championship title. Uh, and Peter Cook. There's not much to be said about Peter Cook. I think he scored 121 in the Connacht or in the Championship generally so far for... Mike Cullen this year so um, to date and he has been imperious uh, it wasn't in the Galway panel last year there was a bit of travelling I think or work uh, I know he works for an American company and, and works on their hours so he works strange hours Irish time he's based in Ireland but works for an American company on their hours uh, Keane O'Neill of course Galway selector under Porrick Joyce was up from Cork to watch this match at the weekend uh, three unbelievable points from player for Peter Cook in the second half they will be mad keen to have him back in the Galway like to think Galway got to an All-Ireland final against Kerry without the likes of Peter Cook and others, but Peter Cook specifically, for me, uh, having watched this this uh, Mike Cullen team closely, like I was at one of Mike Cullen's games in the Galway Championship uh, this season, a couple of months ago, back in Salt Hill, and they were brilliant. They have some serious players, the likes of Paul Kelly and Desi Keneally as well. They have a number of me- uh, members already of that uh, Galway panel under Port Joyce. They play in the semi-finals in January, the winners from Ulster. So Kilku or Glen. Now, in many people's eyes, the winner of that Kilku glenn game is going to win the All-Ireland. Uh, there is a small matter of Kilmacud Croaks. What? Yeah, in many people's eyes, what? I, sorry, they? in my eyes. I think I think the winner of that game will win the All-Ireland. Um, I actually think Glenn will win Ulster. I'm putting myself out there. And I think uh, Glenn will then beat Moy Cullen in the semi-final. Walsh is going to win the All-Ireland. You think so? Well. I, I wouldn't be... I, I'm never in my life going to back against Malachy O'Rourke. And um, you know he took over Glenn a couple of years ago and they had never won the Derry Senior Championship. Now they've won a couple. They're into an Ulster Club title against Kilku. Kilku have been less than their usual impressive best this year that was the big story though Moy Cullen from the weekend I had to have to give a mention of my dad's home club Dunmore McHales the famous club of the Donlan dynasty in Galway 
Michael Donnellan and co. Of course, Michael moved in 2005. It's all the lot in the car to pick up his All Ireland club title. But uh, Dunmore McHale has won the all uh, the sorry the Connacht Intermediate club title at the weekend against the Dominics from Roscommon. They have been excellent in the uh, the Connacht Championship uh, and a small little village to win a, an All Ireland Intermediate like that. Or sorry, a Connacht Intermediate, and they push on now and, and two, you're two games away. Uh, I think it's Rathmore from from Kerry are the odds on favourites for the All Ireland Intermediate at the minute. Uh, Cardiff, Bandy McInerney's club in Monaghan will play um, Godbelief from Tyrone in the Ulster final next weekend. There's some big, big hitters left in the Intermediate Championship. I think uh, it was a team from Wexford won at the weekend okay. um, in, in, in the Leinster. So, Moy Cullen for me was the story of the weekend. You appear to have accidentally tuned into a, a broadcast from Shannon's side. Something, something's going on here. Someone, someone just seized the airwaves there for it the last was, It was Moy Cullen. I, just, I didn't okay. want Moy Cullen yeah. not to get the credit. Grant, so yeah, they deserve yeah. to be in the green. I see what you did. You pivoted from... A great story for Galway football into like a, a potted history of, of Monaghan. Great, yeah, okay. <laughs> Dunmore, I'm sorry, I, I wanted to mention my calling just to get to Dunmore McHale's. Well, that was my point. Um, Dunloybeek, Slotnean and Hurling, so they're up against St. Um, St. Thomas's. And um, the other semi final is obviously going to be uh, the one that everybody wants to see the mm. replay of, of last year, uh, Ballyhale and Ballygunner. And um, uh, Ballyhale were great in patches against yeah. Kilbacud, and Kilbacud were very good. and Ran them close. We'll talk a bit more about that a little bit, little bit later on. Uh, last one in green for now. Yeah, we're going to move on to the green uh, proper. Sinead Diver. Um, what can you say about Sinead Diver? Except for the fact that we only wish she was racing in Irish colours still. Um, 45 years of age at the minute. Broke the record for the fastest time run by an Irish woman in a marathon at the weekend. Also broke the Australian women's marathon record by more than one minute in Valencia. So a time of two hours... 21 minutes and 34 seconds. For anyone, watch, anyone watching who's done a marathon, and I really only threw this in, Jer, uh, just to, again, bring up the fact that I have run a marathon. So um, in case you're wondering why this is in green, it's, it's in green for my ego. Um, she still represents Australia. She moved to Australia t- uh, more than 20 years ago. Born in Mayo, she's a Belmullet woman originally. Uh, 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, finished 10th for the Aussies. Um, now, she's still quite young to the sport, she only took up marathon running 12 years ago when she was 33, but she has fairly come on. Now, there are courses or reasons why someone can, can be so good at the age of 45 in marathon running. There's less strain on your body, so she took it up quite late, so I guess that the pounding on the pavement hasn't been as constant or as uh, regular when she was younger, so she's she's able to probably do it for, uh, for, for now. She spoke... Um, she had a disappointment in, in March, was unable to compete in the race, but she said, I've wanted this for so long, this being the record. I wasn't sure if I was good enough to get it. I've had a few goes at it now. This was my third crack at it. And every time I line up, it takes a lot. Things have to really fall in place uh, for something like this to happen. Sorry, to beat the Australian re- record by over a minute might not seem like a lot, given you're running for two hours 21, but that is quite significant. Um, and the fact that she's beaten Katrina McKiernan's uh, Amsterdam 98 record for fastest marathon by an Irish woman as well um, is, is quite incredible. So... Props to Sinead Diver. Deserves to be in the green. And um, we'll still claim her as our own. Even though can, we, can, we, can we claim her? Is that not like... 100%. Can we? I mean, she only moved to Australia, what? 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but she was 25. I mean... No, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that she has dual nationality, but from a, like, you know... Uh, what what? Great for her. What credits do you get? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you obviously want to inspire... What, what roads did you run when she was younger around Bill Mullis? That's the question. Yeah, they, they, I, I, and look, it's great for Belmullet, but like, is it is it not like a story of lost something to Irish athletics? Is there not something there where we're like, oh, it's great, we're all great, we're all well, actually, is it? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. It's like watching the. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's not quite like watching 
the Aussie rules players do well in Australia because they were more recently departed. Well, if they if they went and like if we cared about the international rules and they came back and they played for Australia and they killed us, you'd be like, well, that was maybe should we should we have lost that? You know? Yeah, you can you can watch it and and still enjoy it because she is Irish. She is Irish. I'm not saying you don't enjoy it. Well, is it like Billy Walsh? We're is not we claiming her. Like you know, we didn't. We've done nothing. Haven't helped her in this. Have not been a, an important part in her success. Do, do we have to be though to, to take some satisfaction from an Irish athlete? I'm saying satisfaction and claim, and they're different. Like, yeah, I'd say, I, you know, I, it's a very interesting. It's a, it's a, such an unusual case, and the results are so spectacular. Um, mm. You know, I mean, maybe there's a lesson there for late bloomers and other sports and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, and look, the weather in Australia, I'm sure, helped her decision a to go down there in the first place, and b. Uh, your training has to be quite... We're, we're all obsessed about the weather. Well, we are a little, little bit. But we couldn't possibly have done this in, in rainy, wet, cold, oh. grey... Maybe that's what made her. Maybe that's what made her, Jerry. That's why we created this. It's not this too late for you, Shane. You're roughly the same age she was when she went down. Well, 29, You're always yeah. banging on about how great you are as a marathon runner. Go on. Go and do your two hours, 20 minutes, or two hours, five minutes, whatever the Irish record is for the men. <laughs> right, it's 8 o'clock. OTVAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. That was this week's edition of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAM's Performance Rankings with Gillette.